Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. Brian Martin to my right, Brad Dana across from me. We should do, now I like it this way, it's better. And then Bleep. Uh, here as well. Um, so I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones. I often think about that co-founder. Should it just say founder? But it shouldn't because I did co-found it with another guy who left. And I, I go back and forth on that all the time. But I don't even know if I should say that. You know, I about, think we're probably overthinking that one. How, you call whatever you want. How about this? You how say about, I'm Brian Martin. How about I'm Brian Maiman? I'm from Asian Bones. Mountain Outfitters no. and I, I hunt the world. No, I'm you not can too. Say that. So I trust my life on it. You should too. <laughs> oh my God, Brim, Brim Maki. No, no, we're not. Saying you can that. say whatever you want, Brian. <laughs> so today we. I'm are Brian with an I. <laughs> not to be confused with a Ryan. A gal in high school sent me a note one time, and she spelled my name Brain, and I was like, I should probably not go out with her. Um, but I can understand how she would confuse me as smart and as intellectual. As Thank I am. goodness you found Lindley. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Because so the, <laughs> the, the, the those kids you're, those other if that that brain and Brian they they might you're two two boys at that point might not have made it through school uh, grade huh? school yeah been, been, been like Mark anyway let's not go there so, hey today we're gonna talk about um, well actually you know what we got we I, I'm excited about today's uh, podcast for a couple reasons one. As a kid growing up in Iowa, I shot um, archery shotgun, slug or, um, or uh, um, uh, yeah, bird shot, whatever we were hunting, right? And so um, shooting a rifle, I, my, but my first rifle was a 22 rifle, and I'll never forget the uh, day I got, I was like 16, 17, I ordered one from Cabela's with the twisty things on top. Um, and then I just went and shot up targets, and we had a, we had a, uh, um, we had an oak tree out my back deck at 109 yards, and the red fox squirrels would be on there. Oh, really? Yeah, and so I would. I was always interested in long range shooting because I'd get that little 22 Marlin bolt action, and I, I adjusted the trigger, and I got me one of those scopes with the twisty things on it. It was a Simmons pro hunter really and i, I the, the problem was this is how stupid i was well i wasn't stupid i was uneducated because i got it and then I, I i it took me another three weeks to get rings for it to, yeah so i could get it on there but anyway i ended up getting the twisting thing but here's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about how, how you can keep shoot your shooting sharp in a ammo pandemic i mean um ammo shortage i mean pandemic shortage i mean you know ammo thing so um how uh and and i also want to talk about how we've adjusted our curriculum because i'll tell you this i think we have one of the best shooting schools and not to not to promote our stuff but i think our shooting academies are one of the best and brad i'm really proud of what we've came up with um and how we're engaging in different um uh, you gotta do something you gotta keep shooting yeah. right or else and, what and, are you gonna do watch sit home and watch soap operas and it's such an important part 
of preparing for the hunt. I, I, I see all these people, they do these workout videos, and they, get, they download this and download that, but we should do a video to, so they can download it on shooting preparation on what they can do because um, I shot – 150, 200 times yesterday and didn't leave the comfort of my house and uh, with my 22. And uh, um, I shot yesterday. Um, I mean, I, I have a rifle sitting on my, my uh, um, uh, dining room table, and I'm shooting every day. But anyway, so and I want to talk about And you can dry fire that. every day. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You can watch the Disney Channel and shoot Bambi and Simba And I have a little everything. suppressor. On my uh, 22, and I can shoot right. Sometimes out you don't house. even drive fire. Well, oh, yeah, I don't drive fire. <laughs> <laughs> if my neighbors, it's just quiet fires. Like, it's against the covenants to do that. Yeah, it's against the covenants to put your damn trailer in my backyard too. But, um, but uh, well, so. Anyway. Well, there was a lot of opportunities during the COVID and craziness riots in the midsummer. You could have sat there and dry fired at a lot of people running around on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> that might not have been PC, but uh, um, that's okay. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Dry firing is a big thing. So we're going to talk about that today. But, ah, do you want to dry fire your 22? Do you want to dry fire your rim fire? Yeah. You're okay with it? If you have an empty case in. Put if an you empty have an case empty in. case. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But an empty you, case you in. don't have an empty case in. Not a good idea. Not a good it idea. It won't blow it up if you do it a few times, but it can damage the firing pin because it's hitting not dead air space. It's hitting the, uh, the it's metal. It's extending into the it's metal. It's metal on metal. Yep. So that's why, but we'll talk about that. So anyway, we're going to talk about that today. But hey, before we do it's that, it's kind of like a linebacker headbutting the, um, you know, an offensive guard. It's not good for your head. Right. It. 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 it yeah. It'll wear you down. Yeah, exactly. Lately, <laughs> a couple times is okay. Too much time, you get a concussion. So I also, real quick, before we get started, because I know you guys want want to roll, and I, I do too on this. But if I, you, like, I don't roll my own. If If you'd like to subscribe to our biweekly newsletter, RBO Outdoor Insights, drop us a line. We'll get you registered. And it, uh, we keep it fresh. First Friday and every third Friday of the month, you'll get a, a newsletter from us. In the newsletter, you'll get useful information on what's happening in the outdoor industry, along with Brian Martin, uh, uh, Brad Dana, myself, uh, Kelly, Mary, um, and other outdoor experts. And uh, um, Bleep even did a bunch of research on this last one, which I really appreciated. Um, but the articles from our team and experts here at Rolling Bones uh, we'll answer your frequently asked questions. We'll give you uh, product specials and even our favorite wild game recipes straight from the kitchen here at the Bone Cave. Oh, by the way, I brought in today for lunch. You guys missed it. But we took boneless um, on, the, on, the, on the butt end or the shoulder end of the pork loin. Um, when we take the baby back ribs off, you got that fatty end. And so I like to slice them like pork chops and then split them in half. And I call them country-style, boneless country-style ribs because that's really what they are. I saw the greasy leftover plate. We you didn't smoked, leave anything. We there. smoked them. In the, we smoked them for six hours this morning um, to a 160, and I had brought them up here fresh. Oh, boy, were they good. But anyway, so we will There's, give you recipes. I, you can't taste that much. Come to the bone cave. Oh, that's so good. The rabbi might be converted. He would be. So just, just, just <laughs> a reminder, go to rollingbones.com. Hey, go ahead. Sign up for our newsletter and uh, RBO Outdoor Insights, and we'll keep you informed on what's happening in the world. So here's the thing. Um, 22, 22 long rifle, 22 mag. Um, we, we've, uh, I've got a 22 r- long rifle set up exactly like my mountain light hunting rifles. Right. right? And um, I have a little can on it, so it goes. I mean, it just makes this little crack. And so I'm forever shooting it um, mm-hmm. in the backyard right now. 
and um, I'm forever shooting it, dry firing it. Uh, and, and I also have, uh, um, have Lucas's uh, 243 sitting on my table right now, too, because he's got a trigger in there that's nice and light, and that's uh -huh. a nice setup. And I've been dry firing that because uh, I like to dry fire. I like to find things in my scope and see if I can pick things out. So um, I, I really wanted to talk today, or we, we should talk today, about uh, that because there's a lot of things you can do right now to keep yourself in tune. Uh -huh. I think we should name the company R R uh, rollingbones.edu because of all the useful information. Boom. <laughs> I like it. Cue the graduation music. Exactly. <laughs> Cue the graduation <laughs> So we're going to do a lot with 22s for sure. And well, didn't you say a 22 is about the same at 180 to 200 yards at a, say, a 6.5, what a PRC is at 1,000 yards? Well, how many MOA was it? Twenty-six with a fifty-yard zero. With a fifty-yard zero, ours ours are shooting with the ammo that we're using, which isn't super. You know, it's not some of the. It's not like Stinger. No, it's not the Aguila or whatever <laughs> that is. Um, you know, the Eli. It's just, <clears throat> it's good. It's Norma. It's what we're using is a bunch of Norma. It's, it's solid it's, ammo. It's and how many how many MOA was it? At Twenty-six at two hundred. Yeah, so that's like that's like a knot six, a little even. Flip. It's a yeah, knot six a, at two thousand, uh, two hundred like yards. Thirty thirty. <laughs> no, no, I mean a, a, a knot six. Yeah. It would be at at a thousand yards, probably twenty six to twenty seven MOA. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know, it'd be very similar. Yeah, but so you so you're probably not going to shoot a knot six at a thousand yards. But 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 if you take this, like okay, we went down there and we sighted in three the other day or two the other day. Just got them and, ready. Yep. And they were a minute. Each of them were a minute and a quarter, minute and a half at a hundred yards. That's and and that's not that's not with uh, you know um, CCI with no wind, or right? Of course, stingers mm -hmm. or yeah, it was yeah, yeah, it, that that range here in Spearfish is a pretty controlled range. They yep. put it in a really nice uh, nice place. It's in the canyon there, um, but but we were getting a great grouping. And I, I tell you this, I wouldn't want to been a prairie dog sitting out there at a hundred yards, right? Actually, yep. I wouldn't want to been me sitting out there at 100 yards and having somebody shoot me with me with a 22. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But uh, um, but my point is is that I caught myself sitting there at 50, going, "Okay, how tight a group can I get?" And then so did you. And then you go, "Hey, bro, look at my group." I'm like, "Hey, look at my group." Yeah. I mean, it's from a shooting perspective, your brain can't tell the difference. I read an article on that one time. Actually, uh, Mike Tuttle sent it to me on um, the uh, Japanese BB gun. Um, right, right, right. We were that? talking about it when we were down in Mexico. Yeah, that that those, those they, they they the guy won and he'd never even shot a live round. Never shot a live round. Yeah, never shot a live round out of his gun. He showed up just dry firing, just, dry just practicing firing in the j concrete jungle of yeah. Tokyo. Yep, wherever. And he ended up winning the whole thing. Yeah. So I think it's it's just a matter of getting reps and being uh, engaged mm -hmm. in shooting. Well, what do we we've been playing around with those for? Five six years, yep. you know that that's before these, you know, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollar actions for, you know, I think Curtis Customs and Voodoo. They came out with all these fancy ones. We well, were we went to an expensive shooting school. Yep. You and I did. What was it? Two grand, twenty five hundred. I can't remember. Yeah, but, but it's not. It's not a thousand dollar school, is nope. it? No. No, no, no. It, I think it was a couple grand. It, a couple grand. So we go to a couple thousand dollars shooting school, and you know what? It wasn't a bad shooting school. It really. I, I, it was, every shooting school. It was. It, it was. One. It was interesting in a, a number of ways. Yeah, and I thought it was good. I I, I enjoyed myself, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed the fellowship of all the guys in mm -hmm. camp. Yep. As I always do, and it was a fun shooting school. But they had implemented a twenty-two built exactly like a, a high-power mountain rifle. Right. 
and um, they had some neat concepts that they did with it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't. We're not going to do all of them in our shooting school, but right. we're going to do a couple of them. Right. Well, it was funny because I remember. See, I shot my my first shooting mentor was in 1991, I think, and it was us. He was a silhouette shooter. So I remember the first day I went out to the line because I I bought this. Same deal. I had this goofy scope that it wouldn't hold a zero, and it was just garbage. And I missed I, I missed a nice deer. So I went to this guy, and he, he struck up a conversation and invited me out to his range. So I went out to his range, and he had something I'd never seen. I'd never seen anything like that. He had a silhouette range at his house, and he was a champion silhouette shooter. And so... We went down, I, I sighted my gun in from inside his Quonset, got my zero, and then we walked down to the road, because then, then he'd shoot from the road back to his, and he, he picked out a turkey. He said, okay, shoot that. So I sat down on the bench. He goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to shoot the turkey. And he goes, no, 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 we, sh we shoot him standing up. <laughs> I, can't hit, I can't hit that. Right, but that, that shooting school, they did the same right. thing. Right, and, and so I I had, obviously, I got, I, 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 he tutored me for about three years and that became commonplace. You know, I mean, I went to some yeah, silhouette how to shoot standing and up. I remember the panic in those guys eyes at that shooting school. Remember when they said, okay, yeah. we're going to shoot these freehand. And they're like, what? What? And, there's and, a pucker factor nine for most of them. And as a kid growing up in Iowa, it wasn't uncommon for us to take a shotgun with a, a low power scope or iron sights and do the same thing, right. you know, mm -hmm. anchor in, get comfortable. And I mean, cause you, Hey, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but in section square miles in Iowa, a lot of times there's not a lot of trees <laughs> amongst the cornfields right. to go ahead and grab or kneel. So you got to learn to shoot that way. Right. No, but it was very intimidating to people. And it's so, it's very helpful because the other thing was people, one thing people don't learn when they get beat on. And, and in addition to that, how many people show up overgunned? And it's a gun that they can't really shoot. Um, but these teach you follow-through, trigger control, and... Uh, and a wind drift. Oh, gosh. Well, it's funny you say that because I was talking to Mark Watson from the... Uh, um, paper? From the paper today. And he was, he was so excited. His dad had given his son a 6.5. He went and bought him a 6.5 Creedmoor. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and he told him, just give it to him anytime when he's doing something good and tell him it's from Grandpa. And so he did yesterday. Oh, that's cool. And and, and he was oldest kid. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think he killed his first deer this year. So how old oh. would that be? Well, could no twelve? I no. I no because they can do a mentored tag in South Dakota at ten, and then they got rid of it last year. So he could be whatever. I no, think. No, he's somewhere around that ten, twelve. Yeah, years yeah. Because he killed his deer, took it into the butcher shop. So he's starting a ten-year-old yeah. with a six-five Creedmoor. Yeah, t I think the kid's maybe twelve. I don't know. He's he's. he's he, 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 is he? He's 12. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> bleep knows him. Um, so, so anyway, he was in the butcher shop today because they're doing this article on the, on, the, on the thing for this whatever. And, right, right. Uh, um, and so I was down there, and he said uh, – You don't promote my jalapeno cheddar with the oh, we, we high melting by cheese. The way, I, I mean, I'd the, like to – when I go in there, I'd like to have that stuff available. I don't want to be fighting the, the masses for it. Between that and the blueberry, um, the Black just, Hills blueberry – Black Hills berry blend. Is that what we call it? Yeah. Black Hills berry blend. That's right. So anyway, we're digressing. Okay. He came in today, and he was telling us, and I told him, and he's like, to me it looks like a 308 neck down. <laughs> and, and I said, listen, it's a super efficient cartridge. It's super 
super good. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, um, can you send me the dates? Because I'd like to do a big article on your shooting school. Cool. And I said, absolutely. And anyway, um, I was talking to him about it today. And we were talking about dry fire and shooting. Well, as a kid growing up in Iowa, rifles. I mean, like I said, I, had, I bought a 22, sent away to a Cabela's for one with a twisty thing on top, trying right. to figure it out. Because I was always interested in long-range shooting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had that oak tree at 109 yards. I'll never forget the day I rolled a squirrel at 109 yards. Uh, <laughs> and I was Open like, sights? No, no, no. I had a scope on it um, yeah. with my uh, With the 22. twisty thing. With the twisty thing. But I got that thing all figured out. And I was you couldn't find nothing in, in 1980, uh, yeah, something, 81, 82, right. when I got that thing on. You couldn't find nothing in outdoor life or field and stream on. Uh, well, the concept was just because everybody had a Leupold scope and they had the tall target turrets back right. in 91. That was the scope everybody at those lines. I mean, everybody right. had that scope on. But I was like, what yeah. is this twisty? And that's my – he's always – chatting or playing on his phone or his computer when we do the school because I always, I always tease the turret. Nobody can tell. They can't. People have trouble remembering which one's the reticle and which one's the turret. So our mnemonic is turret's the twisty thing on top, right? Yeah, so that, exactly. that helps them remember. Yeah, So exactly. But anyway, um, but I literally started shooting my engagement and my self-education with a 22 rifle, and then I graduated to a 223. Now, those are two super cheap, inexpensive yeah. rifles to start shooting and getting things killed with. But one thing you do learn is, is uh, um, wind drift yeah. with those two calibers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wind sure. drift big time. John, when John Burns, uh, when we did that stuff with him, but he oh. had some cool stuff like that uh, – that five-shot group at five yards. That yeah. was super neat. So, and so we're going to yep. engage in that. Yep. So tell them what we're doing with our shooting school with that. Because because actually, so so with the 22s, first of all, we're going to do a silhouette out to 50 and 100, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, normally a 22, you want to zero to about 50 yards, yep. right? And, and that's what we've done with all our 22s. So when you come into it, because what we want to do is help you become, the, the entire premise of this, this podcast, period, is to help you become better at... Well, whatever you want to do in the outdoor industry and have more uh, access and more value and get more out of it. You know what I'm saying? And I just think from, from my perspective, I raised my kids shooting a 22 rifle with a scope on it, and they got good at acquiring sparrows and barn swallows and, uh, um, you know, different critters. You try to the keep barn. them away from the meadow larks and magpies and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I tried to keep them away so from So you spoiled yours because mine got, what were those little, were they chipmunks or something? The one they had a knurled knob cricket. on it? Cricket. No, cricket. Crickets. That's, That's what my, my kids kid started, started on. My but they didn't started. have the scope. And nope. that was a mistake in my in hindsight because I had two kids with pat, bad vision. So I went right, I yeah. went from the cricket. They both killed their first uh, bird with a, with a iron sight cricket. And then I went right from that to um, I got them both marlins with a scope on it, and then I, I, I would just have sit down. I would sit at the shooting range down there when they were little and spearfish here with a box at 50 yards and just let them. I'd put dots all over them, let them pick different dots, and we just sat there with the scope shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. Right. Shooting. I think my first killing at crickets was a magnifying glass. 
I never yeah. really thought about BB guns. I think I probably shot a few things. Well, I shot a lot of things with BB guns. No, no, no. Not the, the no. gun was called a cricket. I, I, I thought I thought you were shooting crickets. No, with they a cricket. were single. No, they, they were, they were single. single yep. Well, go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's a bolt. Uh, I'm messing with you. <laughs> they're little teeny. So so it was actually easier when my kids were little. Is that like a gender fluid gun? <laughs> well, actually, well, they were both they, colors. My yeah, my daughter has well, a I pink guess, one. I, yeah, but my that's, daughter, that's female. Right. That's female. And the you could paint if they're left handed. She's left handed. She could shoot. Like the pink on that side, and the boy could shoot the camel on the other side. So the crickets were what I started mine with because when I, I was a little kid, just like you, I'm sure all of us, I had a daisy red rider, and I killed oh, yeah. a thousand legal species birds with that. I, you know what my first one was? What? A crossman pump. Oh, that I one. remember when I got to shoot the pump, and I, it was awe, in awe of its power. It was. Boy, but, uh, I, I could I could amass so many blackbird starlings <laughs> you couldn't imagine. Well, I can tell Good. you, yeah, Daisy Red Rider bruises your shit out of a pig's pig. So I used to <laughs> exercise the pigs, let them out in the horse crawl, and shoot them with the Daisy Red Rider. The only problem is you go to the fair, and there's like red welts all over the pig. It's like not a good idea. I never did that again. What happened to your pig? <laughs> he wasn't running fast enough. <laughs> so I made him run. <laughs> Who, who exercises <laughs> oh a hog? We always let them out to exercise, and that way they're a better tone for the, the market class. Yeah, but you just kind of let them out and run around. Maybe, yeah, but Maybe it, you get up there and walk out. I them. tried it the one time, and I, I it was so I, funny. I, it was the funniest thing I'd ever you seen. You know what Lindley calls you Dennis the Menace? You were Dennis uh, the Menace. Have you ever uh, seen that show with that? Who were those two old guys? And Den yeah, mi yes, Mr. Wilson, Dennis the Menace. And I used to shoot our pet rooster. He'd be running around the yard, and I'd get plums, little plums off the tree and shoot him with the wrist rocket. <laughs> Couldn't hit him very often because he's fast. But <laughs> Well, it's a good so, thing he didn't have a little cricket 22 when he was eight so years old. So those crickets huh? were amazing. And then, and then we, what I would do, and, and you know what I think? We should think about something like this for a shooting school and, and time it. But some type of target that you have a small circle and we, you randomly number them all over. So somebody has to find that number and then shoot and then time it. And so they have to shoot eight and eight with a spotter and it's six and six and have them at different places to target because that's what I used to do with the kids. I used to see how fast they could find the target and I'd name, I, I'd call it six, seven, four, three. I, you know, they weren't one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They were just numbered and scattered out on a box. Right. So in that way, mentally, they had to find it. Because both Noah and Lucas can find a target fast. Target acquisition. It's a, that it, way you can, you can only shoot metal arcs, not metal arcs. So you know, it said no metal arcs, none of these, but you can only shoot starlings. And that's really hard because starlings are the hardest of all the birds to shoot. Yep, it barn swallows. So I used hard. to always practice on the starlings. Nice thing about a starling, you can shoot the power line and it cut it in half. If you shoot, if you shoot the power line with a 30-06, it's not a good idea. Right. Sometimes it hits the ground. No, it does. And, and it's Twelve good. gauge is good too. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> Jesus. This will be one of the most scattered podcasts we've ever done. Well, well the, so so I initially started with my oldest son Jackson mm -hmm. with a, a Daisy Red Rider because it's what I did, right? right? But it's really hard for a little kid to pump, and they're too big. They're they're not sized appropriately. Those little crickets are made for a tiny little kid. They're made for a six year old. So yeah. It, um, now. He would get to the point we would go, and you need, back back when you could get twenty two ammo, it was no problem, right? Which you can still get twenty two ammo now. Yeah, but the problem is, it's four times as expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but I would have to ration it because if I brought a whole brick, you know, there was never a good ending time. That good ending time was when you were out of 
22 ammo. So right. when you when right. you got Otherwise your you six year old, yeah, they but but anyway, they're sized appropriately for a little kid. It's a bolt action. You pull the you, you cycle the bolt, and it's a single shot. Uh-huh. And then there's a knurled knob on the back. So oh, I, I've seen those. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know. Super, Super safe, so they yeah. could walk around and when they'd see something. Because we had 40 acres in northern Wisconsin with Noah when he was that age, and we'd walk around and he'd go, "Oh, damn, oh. I see a bird," and, and and I'd pull it back because he could. He, he wasn't, they, they, their he hands wasn't get tough enough. Yep, yeah. their their hands get sore. They can do it a couple times, but and then, then you could then pops has to barrel up, well, keep your gun down. Yep, pops has really to. Good. Well, if yeah. you if you want your kid to be a good shooter and hunter when he's older, then you start him shooting with BB guns at whatever. Yeah, you can shoot crickets with crickets. You can well, shoot whatever. Well, this was whatever. the alternative. It just yeah. shot. It shot a single shot. Yeah, we. But it was good. We ended up skipping the BB gun at that point, and we all the kids went to cricket. They all have their own cricket. But for us, with the shooting school, and for for me personally, I like to get a lot of rounds in. I like to shoot and shoot and shoot. And I think the twenty two right now with this ammo pandemic, um, and uh, um, that's going on uh, ammo shortage. I should call it an ammo shortage, shouldn't I? Not a pandemic, but uh, um, everything's uh, well, relative. I, but anyway, I, I think Biden just passed Obama as a better uh, rifle salesman and ammo salesman. Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, George Floyd did a good job too of doing ammo sales. Shooting is an important part. Right. I mean, that getting the reps in, shooting. Well, and right now, even if you're a hand loader, if you don't have some supplies, it's really hard to. Yeah, if you weren't buying supplies for the last two or three years, it wasn't a good thing right now. It's tough, but, but there's still 22 ammo available. You yep. can get it if you have a 22. My encouragement is to, to go buy yourself a little bit of a scope that um, has some value to it. Uh, Leupold makes a good one. Vortex makes a good one. Um, yeah, like those. Uh, Bushnell Husk-Mah, makes a good, good one. Husk-Mah. Like Husk-Mah. the three hundred, five hundred dollar range. Yep. Um, and go get one. Mount it on your twenty two. Um, build yourself a good cheek weld that's just like your hunting rifle and start shooting at something 50, 80, 100 yards away. And then take your hunting rifle, my suggestion is, is to have it somewhere where it pushes you to shoot. I have a lot of deer in my front yard. You know, I live in a, I live in a subdevelopment, three to five acre yards. So I have a lot of deer in my front yard. And, and turkeys. And, and I have a lot of turkeys in my front yard. And I, I'm just telling you, I sit at my dining room table with my rifle on the bipod just like I'm shooting, and I sit there, and I put it on a turkey's head while he's walking across there, and I wait, 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 and I dry fire, and I dry fire, and I dry fire. So, you know what? If I shoot 100 times at a turkey this year and 150, 200 times at a deer this year at 50 to 200 yards in my front yard or 100, 150 yards, you know. Um, no recoil, my, no flinching. My brain doesn't know the difference between that and sending a bullet down the road down down range a long ways does that make sense so i'm programming myself to have that clean break that follow through i got the right cheek weld i'm I'm doing target acquisition all the time i'm burying my eye focusing on the reticle putting the reticle on the target and uh you can't tell me it doesn't help it helps a ton you know uh, about flinching that's a real issue i see with a lot of shooters especially before pre-muzzle breaks but one of the things that muzzle brakes are bad for, people don't wear hearing protection, you, you start flinching because of the noise, not because of the recoil. So there's a couple different kinds of flinching. One is recoil-induced from getting scoped and just getting the speed out of you by, like, when that 300 Ultra Mag era was around and people were shooting 8-pound 300 Ultra Mags without a break, that would, they'd flinch because they got scoped sometimes. Let's not now say pe- anything derogatory about that because yeah, I, I went through that phase. <laughs> but now people are get flinching because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of muzzle breaks. So if you're going to shoot a muzzle break, and that's the nice thing about our, you know, our, our, the cans and stuff, the solvent traps and cans that people are shooting, 
um, because you don't have. I mean, you still, I recommend wearing a hearing protection if you're going to do a lot of shooting, but it's much more forgiving. So shooting a muzzle brake without a hearing protection will cause you to flinch very bad, even if you're shooting a six creed more. Well, it's, it's like archery. These guys who shoot 80 pound bows, 75 pound, 100 pound bows. And they wonder why they, they wham. I mean, the explosion. It's, it's like shooting creates, a 416 Rigby. Exactly. In their brain, it's just like, and I know uh, um, Cameron Haynes is greatly popular. And, you know, he's shooting out there at 150 yards, and, and he's got this big bow. But you know what? The guy also, you know, he, he works out more than the average guy. He probably lifts a little bit more weights than the average guy. You know, and uh, um, I've seen him from when he was a runner, a uh, professional competitive runner till now. I mean, uh, he used to be a skinny little fart. I, well, I, I, when know, we saw him I mean, at the last show, he's, he's quadrupled the size. Of, he's done an amazing job at building his uh, biceps and pecs. Well, here's what I think. But the thing uh, is, these guys that do this, because uh, I, I watched your buddy uh, uh, Greg McHale, the Yukon dude. Yeah. Those guys, the like Cameron Haynes and Greg McHale, that want to run 100 miles in or 80 kilometers to get into their place. That's good for them. It's not good for me. So I, right. I'm not going to emulate that. Well, and, and here's That's what a thing. horse is for. As long, you know, we're talking about shooting. Guys guys can be that, but they don't have to be that. None, none of us here well, if are, you, are yeah. a Greg McCall or a, um, Cameron Haynes. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys and what they do. But the average guy isn't going to go live with 3% body fat and work out um, 11 hours a week. But the average guy can go take his 22 and he can hone his shooting skills and get – Efficient, super efficient. Even if you live in New York City in an apartment, you, you can. Yes, that's the problem with a lot of the hundred six hundred yards become a great shot and save yourself miles and miles of hunting. Because if you can make that shot at five hundred, but most guys can't. Oh. You can get that animal killed today. You don't have two more days of wearing your body out. It, well, you just like just like that uh, that uh, guy who came over and won the shooting competition from Japan. Never shot a, never had a live Trigger round. Time. So he said New crazy. York City. Could, well, crazy. Well, you know, Daryl Holland was probably one of the most interesting instructors we had. And that that first two nights that we took at school, he says, I want everybody, when you come back tomorrow, being able to work the bolt, dry fire, without picking your head off the scope. So when you shoot, you, and so he would say, you need to do 100 dry fires and bolt throws tonight and you need to do 50 and you need to do 150 year disaster right i mean i saw him do this over the course of two or three days texas pistols and thing. and honestly i've i've never had another shooting course where the people are actually really strict on shooting form because the shooting form for daryl was really critical just like if you're going to do a long jump you got to have the right technique if you just jump you're not going to go as far brett was brett was big on shooting form so that's that's something if 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 a rifle hunter shot a third to a half as much as most bow hunters, um, I think the wound rate would be only 1% or 2%. Yeah, well, that's well. we do we do some dry fire, but people get bored with it. It's it's They don't like to, even us, how, well, we did, you, sh you dry fired on your, on your ram this year. How many times do you think? I, I don't know. Enough but, to piss all the guides off because right? they were like, shoot, shoot it, it already. Shoot, shoot. shoot. <laughs> shoot. Well, so you, were, you drive ah. far enough. If you were to sperm bank, they would have kicked you out. <laughs> well, I will tell you this because I did probably 15, 20 times. Click, 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 click. And, and the guides they were They would like, say, time limit, out of here. Yet? But I'm telling you, when you're looking at a ram of that caliber mm -hmm. across the canyon and and you're with a little bit of an unfamiliar rifle. I wanted my brain to go. When I broke that thing. It's called I, a connection. Wanted, it is. A Same connection. thing if you borrow a gun in another country. Take right. that gun, walk around for 20, 30 minutes, an hour, and, and know that gun's trigger pull, the throw, everything, the bolt throw. Do it like Daryl does. Like, you know, all those 
um, you know, dry fires. And, and then when you see the animal, your mind is kind of, because if you're used to a two-pound trigger and you have a five-pound trigger with a creep, and you do it for the first time, you will flinch. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. totally unfamiliar. Well, your brain doesn't even connect. It's like, is this going to, it's like, have you ever done this? Those of you who are listening right now, have you ever done this? Have you ever had the safety on, didn't think you had the safety on, and you pull, 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 and you're like, what the hell is going on with my gun? Yeah. And, and then, or you go pull, pull, jerk to try to get it to go. That's not a good yeah. thing. You, you got some issues, so I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Well, the difference, the difference between like a one and a half or two pound trigger and a five pound, five pound trigger, it'd be like sparring, uh, going in a boxing you know, like Rachel Levine, and then going against Mike Tyson, right? Big difference. Big difference. You're used to like you know sparring well, with Rachel Levine, and then Mike Tyson whacks you, you're gonna go down. Well, even our little twenty twos are set up with really good triggers. I mean, they're, they're, we have, you emulate yeah. you emulate, emulate your big game. Thank you. The, so. Emulate your big game with your 22. I look at guys that have gotten results from our shooting schools, our shooting, I should say academies, because we go through this whole process with them, and that's what I really like about them. Um, but Jim Bonanno, okay, you look at Jim Bonanno. He sends me videos. He's whacking crap all over the world at three, four, five, six, seven hundred yards. Now, Jim listens to these, so I know he's going to hear us. But that first day at the, the uh, um, Advanced Academy where we're doing the all-mountain shooting, and he is frustrated coming off the line. Yeah, he was frustrated. Oh, he, he was like, he wanted to throw his rifle, not one of our rifles, but one of um, a, a big, big, big name. He wanted to throw that rifle off. I talked to him a few weeks ago, and he's like, dude, that rifle and me were money, and that's, that's what we want. Well, he's got it dialed in now. He just didn't understand. He was hung up because the bullet that they'd given him mm-hmm. was – was very similar to another one that they'd made the turret for. So on paper, it was fine, but mentally, he never had enough experience with him. So a Hornady versus a Burger, if you have the same bullet weight or close to a few few grains off, and the BC is almost the same, he doesn't understand they're basically the same. Right. But, but but for him, in his mind, it was not going to work. Yeah, there was a couple things. It no, was zero. It was yeah. zeroed at the wrong. It was and zeroed at two fifty. It was, was all kinds of stuff. Brad, was, you're exactly right. It was, and there was failure that wasn't necessarily yeah. his fault, and it created yes. a mental obstruction in his head yeah. that everything he had. He just was had. Wrong. He had a. It's like the plane. The plane crash. It's not one little thing. It's a whole bunch of little things that turn in. And 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 he was he was Great ir- he was mentally irritated because. They cut the turret for the wrong bullet than what they sent him. They cut the turret for the wrong Ele- zero. And that wrong elevation or something. Eroding. Yeah, he and just then, he didn't. And have. Then he wasn't getting yeah. behind the sticks right. Yeah. There was all and, and so, so I'll th- never forget yeah. that because you guys pulled him off. He said, "Okay, let's get this figured out. Got it figured out." By the end of the day, he was. And we fine tuned at the end, so it was zero the way he needed and he, for and his. And he hunt. had confidence. So now, now you couldn't separate him from that rifle. You know what I'm saying? And that's really all I'm saying. All we're saying is that get it like super good saying. caliber because yeah. I think he was shooting a seven som. It was a it was a really it was a good gun. Super good gun. And, right. And it, I mean, yeah. he had a nice scope on it. Uh, you can use a twenty two, yep. a two twenty three, a, t- a two four, whatever you have a surplus of ammo for. You can replicate your hunting rifle that you're trying to conserve ammo with right yep. now. And you can go out and get your reps in between dry firing and shooting enough. And so if you say, okay, I'm going to allocate 100 rounds this month to shooting before my yep. um, trip, you can literally go squeeze a trigger 800, 1,000 times. Yep. And with a 22 and other, and, and get that in your head 
mentally, and you'll be fine. Well, we've totally redone, and I think it is going to be better actually it's this way be better, because it's because be a better academy. Yeah, this this uh, the way we used to do it was was nice because people learned the fundamentals and they learned all the what it takes to go kind of old school to get all your dope and stuff. This will be nice because. They still people still want to shoot and whack the steel at a thousand thousand yards. I bet they I bet they can hit it easier, faster this year than they have in the past. Yes, because we're going to build way more confidence. Yep. They'll get more way more reps in quicker. Yep. And uh, um, ultimately, that's exactly RollingBones.com. Solicit our schools. Go to courses. Hit dashboard. Just go to courses. Go to one of our courses, check it out. You have any questions, 605-644-8000, 605-644-8000. I, I think uh, closing comments on, uh, you know, on getting people engaged in practicing. Um, There's a way better to do, way to do it than getting the living tar beat out of you by a 300 mag and, uh, and getting beat up and burning all through the ammo. And, um, and we see that, you know, the 300 – the 300 mag still shows up every year too many times at one of these schools. A Kimber ultralight mountain <laughs> right? bike, 338 wind mag. I, I was talking oh. to I was talking to one of the guys and they were laughing. Remember that guy who showed up and every time he squeezed the trigger, he drove him back into the dirt about five inches. Poor guys. <laughs> How about you, Brian? Closing comments. Um, I think one of the things I see all the time, and this is not exactly what we're talking about, but very similar, is when I we have a hunter that shows up in a Marco Polo camp, <clears throat> and his gun was zeroed at whatever range and, and temperature he just came from, and he goes, well, I don't want to change the zero here. No, you're changing the zero because you just change temperatures, you change elevations, you change rest. I don't care what the gun did. 4,000 miles away or 6,000 miles away. It, what it's doing today and it's going to do the at same minus thing five, once you calibrate it. Exactly yeah, because right. the temperature is different. And yeah. you have a steel barrel that may walk a little bit. You have a different bedding compound. that you know. So and, all this stuff. And most of the people who show up are from 1,000 feet or lower in elevation for your hunts, aren't but they? But the, the elevation doesn't really matter. It's more the temperature and the conditions. Like, so the guys will think their scope got knocked off in the flight. No. The point of impact changes because the, the temperature more than anything has changed your velocity is different the your coefficient of expansion your steel will change when it's cold versus hot so if you're shooting in phoenix at 80 degrees fahrenheit at 6 a.m it's not going to be 80 degrees fahrenheit at tajikistan at 13 or 14,000 feet so re-zero your gun understand how to zero it again i don't care it's like a tire pressure if you drive from a desert environment to a winter environment you're going to have to change your tire pressure because it's going to change and, and, and the gun is very similar to like a tire pressure. It will change, and you have to know how to re-zero your gun. Don't be afraid to touch it. That way, and if you get new ammo, if you're shooting Hornady ELDX from 2018, you get some ELD matches, don't expect it to be the same zero. Even for the exact same, even EDL, ED, ELDX to ELDX, it'll be different. So change it, fix it. Every time you get a new a lot of ammo, um, check your zero. Never assume anything. Check the velocity, because the velocity can be off 100 or 150 feet a second from year to year. Super critical. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective yeah. that you have that most people don't yeah, because they don't, they don't have people from New Orleans show up. New Orleans minus, <laughs> minus 50 feet in elevation, right? Yeah. And then they, you sight in at 14.8. But you know what, though? With 200 yards zero, if you have, like, like, for example, the carbon barrels and the carbon stock guns that we sell, one of the, one of the advantages of that is you have carbon is less reactive and steal the temperature. So if you have a carbon stock and a, and a carbon uh, barrel, 
and then you don't have you know aluminum pillars and epoxy in the bedding and everything is machined out of carbon so in theory that gun should change less with impact from hot to cold than a gun that's bedded um, with all these different compounds in a thin steel barrel that's funny too because have you can you think of a greater immediate impact nobody wants a steel barrel gun anymore i mean once they shoot the carbon fiber yeah. Barrels. But I a mean, cheap carbon so barrel will not shoot as good as a good steel barrel. So you have to, not all carbon barrels are equal. And, and they're not all. Well, all barrels aren't created equal. No, no, no. But my point is can you believe the how fast yeah. the carbon just wiped out the steel? How many well, times do we have somebody come in and call and ask for a steel barrel gun? Well, my first experience with a carbon barrel, Jim Borden, a friend of mine, was building a gun for me years ago. And I said I wanted a carbon barrel on it. And he said, you know what? He called me and said, Brian. I'm not going to sell you this gun. He said, it's not going to shoot what you want. He said, I want to put a number four steel heart barrel because I cannot get this to carbon barrel. This was like 16 years ago. He said, I cannot get it to shoot as good as I can a heart match grade barrel. So he, he sold that gun to somebody who wanted a carbon barrel. and said, you're going to get one of my guns that have a number four steel, not a number three and not carbon. He said, I'll just shoot better. And it was right. So the carbon barrel still... It's hard for a carbon barrel, especially on bigger calibers, maybe to shoot as good as a really good steel barrel because not all the carbon barrels are made the same way. Yeah, they're not all created equal. Well, I would say from, from, from my perspective, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, small caliber, shoot, shoot, shoot. doesn't have to be out there that long, 50 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. Make it a smaller target. Get something the size of the quarter. Challenge yourself to hit it five times in a row with a 22. Anything like that because what I see is, and we're in and out of camps all the time, I see so many people get physically prepared, and they forget to get mentally prepared. And they, and they got all the great camel. Yeah, they got all the great camel. They are cooed out, brother. They look like a fashion statement from the freaking kuyu, which obviously means if they bought kuyu, they can hunt. <coughs> um, but anyway, they, so then, so then, in return to that, they forgot to get mentally prepared. So the minute the flight, the the, the uh, bush plane flies off, they go. Holy screwed. Where's the next Starbucks? And can Uber pick me up if I really need to go see my mommy? And then the second thing that they forget to do is they forgot to shoot, 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 shoot. shoot. Shooting is everything. I'll take a guy shoot. who can hike moderate and, and shoot, shoot well. Great. Unless he wants to give me my, his, my gun, his uh, gun and I'll shoot it for him if he wants to miss four times. But, but that's what no, I'm all jokes aside, oh, I'd no. take a moderate fitness guy with a good mental attitude um, with great superior shooting ability yep. than I would take a super athlete who can't shoot. That gives us all, hey, do you all hear that? That gives us all hope. And, and hey, there's no question about it. It's way more fun to shoot than work out. Still, still the biggest thing? <laughs> well, uh, you're working I out guess your physically I'm, I'm representative of that. Well, <laughs> you know. Uh, right now for sure. But if I, one thing I can, if I would push and, and tell people to do is when it comes to shooting target acquisition, I was going to say it's a huge issue. That's the biggest thing that we because see. So, so, so it's key, not even shooting because they can't find so the, the target. So the a key lot. is the key is, and then picking your spot on the animal. Well, the, the, the first thing is find your animal with your binoculars. Well, if yeah, if I'm with a hunter that can't see the animal, instead of like arguing with him and trying to point out, I make him look through the spotting scope. I said, see that rock up there? That animal's by that rock. Pull it up with the binoculars. Okay, you see it now. Get a range on it. Okay, it's left of the rock 50 yards. So then you know that it's by that rock. So when you lay down behind the gun, you put the crosshairs on the big rock, go 50 yards left, 
and you find the animal. That's, that's trying to find the animal, trying to find the animal in the scope is a disaster. Our shooting academy does that because the guys go, <laughs> I can't see it. I know you can't see it. It's right there, though. Here, look at it through the It's a scope. white target, it's a, white a white steel target or a red rock. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? They can't it? see it. But yeah. then once they do that, and that's yeah, the so that's best th application of a hunting thing, that shooting school we do, I, I, guys, I'm telling I implore but, people to get out and do it. Brian, you're an anomaly, too. There aren't many outfitters or guides that are shooting aficionados like you? Most people aren't, just because m most guides never really learn to shoot. Um, you know, they criticize the hunter shooting, and then I give them the gun and say, you shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, what a <laughs> show. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and, and I love the outfitter that's never done it. And, never and there's some great... Races, and then they're going to argue with you about uh, how to do it, and you're like, okay... <clears throat> You know, you don't argue with the guide, but right now, if I ask you to make this shot, you couldn't. You, you, I mean, you'd need. Well, I remember when we took a outfitter, and we we took him shooting, and he shot shot the rock at seven fifty, whatever it was, little rock. Actually, I'm a really good shot. And I said, "Isn't that cool? Can you believe that?" And he goes, "Actually, I can. I'm a really good shot." And then we called the coyote in to 100 yards, and he missed and he, it three times, and he couldn't. He well, couldn't everybody even, gets he buck fever, get, and which had pisses, trouble getting it into which pisses his me scope. off because Actually. when I call a coyote in, don't educate it. Kill well, it. Well, <laughs> well, if you're going to educate it, at least shoot at it no. while it's on the run so you can practice. No, no, Brad. Well, well no, most, Brad. most, no, Brad. Stop it. Kill it. Most hunting guides see what goes wrong, but until they've actually experienced it themselves with the behind the trigger, as a client, I don't think they fully understand. Like sometimes what I they say to a hunter is, what, they're, what they're saying to a hunter is like not I'm a good a really idea. Good shot. And then we call the coyote all the way across that oh, flat. Yeah, three of it them. It was on a string. Yeah. That well, coyotes on. are probably the most missed animal that weighs yeah, more than people, 20. They get coyote fever more than they do buck fever. Oh, yeah. Even wolf. Even you, me. You, you, you want to have it worse is go wolf oh, shooting. Oh, I can't wait. Wolf fever. Oh. You get, you're way more likely to miss a wolf than you are um, you know, a rock chuck. I think Jim Bonanno and I should go. Uh, um, I don't even know why I thought of Jim again. because I did. Jim, if you're listening to this, I was not saying you're a bad shot. You're a great shot. And you're knocking the stink out of stuff a long ways. <clears> well, I will say Jim is improving. He, yeah, you know he's what? probably not to the great shot level yet, but he's a lot better than he well, was we, when he started. I should send you the video, he, he, what he did with that Audad. He, he decked it, man. He made a great shot. Yeah, so well, that. you just got to take it? your time and remember your principles. Dry and, fire uh, a few times, yep. send the bullet down there and whack it. Well, Jim, you can see he improved a lot in, in the end, you know, during the course. Yeah, Jim invests in Jim and, and developing his abilities. That's why he's doing See, great. to me, I always look at these because we don't. We used to try to do one, a different one, and just kind of get different ideas every year. No. And we no longer have the time. No. I mean, our summer is just. And, 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 you know, <sighs> and you know what, honestly, Brad? We do one 15 times a year at different camps, shooting and right. being exposed to different shooting scenarios. And that, that's what we bring to the, those academies. So, well, hey. Just a quick reminder to visit rollingbones.com and check out our membership. Gentlemen, it's been great doing this with you. This was a fun podcast. We kind of jumped around a little bit, but at the end of the day, get out there, squeeze the trigger a bunch. If you want to start hunting, start down the road of getting your hunting adventures for a lifetime, you need help with application services. All 50 states, you need some advice on something. You want to know what it would be like to do this or that, 605-644-8000. Or, you know what, go to the rollingbones.com. Right there, there's uh, tabs everywhere to leave us a message. We will uh, get right back to you. Um, we're here to help. Service, access, value, and education, that's what we want to bring. And uh, that's What's the acronym for that? Save. <laughs> I appreciate that. Until next week, stay healthy, be safe, and happy hunting. <laughs>